0: Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. It is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, and with me is my good friend Bunker de France.
2: Indeedly D. Indeedly D. Indeedly D. Indeed, yeah. yeah. You can say that again, people, right?
1: <laughs> This is a uh, this is a program for the uninitiated that
2: uh, is all about the West and uh, the Old West. The Old West. Hey, speaking of the Old West, yes. doing a research for the show this week, I came across an interesting uh, piece of information about the Old West. Okay. That in the early 1800s, the crests of the Appalachians were considered the beginning of the Old West. Is that a fact? I always say... Jamestown was the beginning of the old West, Mm -hmm. or Plymouth Rock? It's, uh, yeah, Plymouth Rock because whatever is that way is West. Yeah, you know, that's (laughs) that's the first guy here. (laughs) Well, anyway. But, you know, and by that time, the Spaniards had already moved into New Mexico by about 100 years. That's true. And Florida as well. Yep, that's very true, too. That was the real West. Today, yeah, you know,
1: we got to do a show about, uh, and, and I've, I've had some requests, and we got to fulfill that. Yes. doing a show about the Florida Cowboys. Yes, uh, because uh, good Cowboys. They, hey man, hey, they, they were crackers. Oper- they operating in a rather extreme climate, uh, <laughs> and uh, they uh, they did what they had to do. And Can imagine well.
2: hurting alligators. It's
1: not easy. Trust Snappers. me. Snappers. Yep. Anywho, today's program, um, this week, uh, was the celebration, the 150th anniversary of the driving of the Golden Spike, uh, the connected... uh, uh,
2: Sesquicentennial. Uh, See, I
1: said it, Harry. Thank you, because I was having trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I practice. I've been practicing, and and forget (laughs) about it. Um, So it is the anniversary of the driving of the Golden Spike up in Promontory, point utah and uh we had tried to get some of the folks actually
2: promontory summit summit okay that's that's every everything everything says summit okay somehow in our lexicon it came to it's creeped into point yeah
1: all right i'll accept that okay Uh, but the uh we tried to get some folks from the uh, uh group that was organizing the 150th anniversary, but uh, unfortunately, they w- did not respond back to they emails. They were celebrating. So, uh, they must have been celebrating, but, but I did email them far enough in advance, yes. however. So we just decided, to hell with it, we're going to do our own show. do well, we always <clears throat> do. <clears throat> About, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, about the um, the driving of the Golden Spike. But before we get the to that... The last
2: spike.
1: The last spike. But before <laughs> we get to that... How was your week, Harry? Not very good, and here is why. I get an email from the poobahs at YouTube saying that I am in violation or our video channel is in violation of something, community standards, that ambiguous term of community standards. What the hell does it mean? I don't know, because they won't say anything. So, I couldn't access the account, all right? So, I appealed, followed the rules, and appealed uh, to the grand poobahs at YouTube. Pooh and poobahs. Uh Uh-huh. And I never got, uh, what I got back was uh, an email saying, Hello, thank you for responding. Your account is now terminated.
2: And you already knew that.
1: Okay. (laughs) But no rhyme or reason given behind
2: it. No reason or justification. And I might point out that what you were telling me is that this happened while you were trying to insert Chapter 3 of Phantom Empire with Gene Autry. And we all know that Gene Autry does not offend community standards. I would hope not. Yeah. I I mean,
1: there's nothing up there that would offend... I mean, unless it's you or I. <laughs> yeah, well, we're a fantasy,
2: but that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, like we were saying before we went on there, though, maybe it's the fact that Gene Autry carried a gun. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just ludicrous.
1: It is. And, uh, you know, my, my response about it is, the hell with you, YouTube. Screw you. I don't need you. I truly don't. Well, need you know, you.
2: plus, plus, you know, from what you were telling me, uh, you know, you sent a couple of emails to to some of the friends of the show. Oh, and did I? Yes, They I responded.
1: Did. I posted on our Facebook page about uh, the demise of our YouTube channel, and uh, uh, it was not taken kindly to that. Uh, there are some folks uh, from the Western Writers of America group that are going to um, attempt to go to bat for us with the awesome. powers that be at uh, the power poobahs at YouTube and uh, see if they can get us reinstated. And if not, you know, I don't care. We'll find
2: another way
1: to I've got folks. another way. Yeah. I've got another way. I'm working on it right as, well, as not we as we speak, here, yeah. but uh, because I have to do the show. But I've uh, I've got it figured out how to do this and there will be... Awesome. Lots of promotion about it. And, uh, again, screw well, you, YouTube. I don't need you. Apparently, you can't say booger on the radio. You can't say booger? Like Dr.
2: Johnny Fever did on WKRP. Well, you know, that's weird because in cowboy lexicon, a booger is something that spooks your horse. You know? It's something that jumps out of the dark. Yeah. It's, it's an amphibious, whatever word it is type of thingamajig <laughs> that... That's scary, you know. Something that scares. Yeah, well, in any event, that's
1: that's my rant for
2: today. And uh, So
1: you've had a miserable week in that area. Yes, I, I did. Well,
2: that didn't help my week any at all, even no. when you told me about no, it. No, it did not.
1: And it, it's we're going to get the videos resolved. I've got uh, three Tom Mix movies to put up. I've got a Buck Jones movie to put up. I've got chapters 1 through 12 of... Uh, the Phantom Empire, starring Gene Autry. I've got chapters 1 through, I think it's 15, of um, uh, the writers of Death Valley, starring Dick Have Ferran. Have checked
2: all of these for content? Because there may be something, you know, there may be a, 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 a prairie dog doing something he shouldn't in the background.
1: Well, if he is, then uh, that's not my problem, because these movies... All of this content is in the public domain, and it's on all different sites and all mm-hmm. over the world. So it is not copyright infringement. I know YouTube had a hard on about my about the music that we used to have uh, for the open and close. We used what the theme from the High Country, I think, and yeah. uh, uh, or Ride the High Country, and they they got pissy about that. So I bought music,
2: yeah. and,
1: and we have the music that you hear going into. Uh, that opens the show and closes the show,
2: Uh, I own that. That's our copyright. It is. Yeah. So, screw you, YouTube. (laughs) You remind me of Dr. Gene Scott, one of my all-time great
1: heroes. (laughs) I would would say I would have much stronger language, but
2: this is a family podcast. Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, you know, as long as we're on this thing, I want to read something from uh, the American Hunter. It's a magazine that's put out by the... NRA, National Rifle Association, mm-hmm. a organization of over five million people strong, but anyhow, they have a, a column in there called the Armed Citizen, and basically what it is is it's bringing to the public's attention the incidents where somebody through the use, I should say, the yeah, the use of a firearm to protect themselves, their family, their property their neighborhood something like that and which never really gets uh, promoted or even reported. Mm-hmm. And so today at least for one moment we're going to re- report one incident. Now this is in Tennessee a husband and wife were disturbed at night by banging noises against their house. Concerned the husband armed himself with his shotgun and opened his door to find two men later identified as brothers waiting there. The homeowner ordered the men to go away. pushing his way inside, one of the men chased the homeowner into the house, following him into his bedroom. In response, the homeowner fired and wounded the intruder in the shoulder. Charges were pending against one of the intruders. Now, I know somebody out there saying, Whoa, jeepers, you should have called the police. Well, by the time the police had got there, the man and his wife might have been dead. Yep. So... You know, that's and that's that's yeah that's that's so I, much I, from my for my ranting. For I have a
1: shotgun ready to greet any intruder <clears throat> into my uh, into my little castle, and uh, uh, if that seems to not work, I have
2: plenty of other things ready at, well, at the I've ready. Got, I've got <laughs> responsive items in my place. I won't discuss them <clears throat> just in case Bloomberg's out there listening, making a list.
1: I have a sign on on my front door, my window that says. Warning, premises guarded by shotgun. Mm-hmm. There you go.
2: Ricochet, the old cartoon yes. in the Sundays. Yes, he, he ran a panel one Sunday, and it was one of my favorites. Uh, Rick is riding out. To, he's now sheriff in town, and he's riding out to the old ranch, old Bob Wires Ranch. And he's riding up. He gets up to the main gate, and he notices a sign by the gate. Mm-hmm. It says, trespassers will be shot. Mm-hmm. And Rick rides up, and he goes, hey, Bob, you know, that's a little strong language, you, you, couldn't you just, you know, kind of cool it a little bit? And Bob thought about it Says, don't worry, Rick, I'll take care of it. So anyhow, time goes by, Rick's about that way again, so he says, I'm going to drop in on old Bob, see how he's doing. He rides up to the gate, and sure enough, there's a new sign. Trespassers will be shot at.
3: <coughs>
2: <laughs> That's
1: good. All right, to the meat of the program for today. It's about trains. Eight four four nine zero eight west. Eight four four nine zero eight nine three seven eight. If you would like to join in this conversation about the anniversary of uh, connecting the transcontinental railroad uh, to the rest of well for the United States, quite uh, quite quite the big connecting
2: thing. Connecting the Existing rail lines in the east to the non-existing rail lines in the west, Except for one, there were a couple of smaller short lines here and there.
1: Yes, there were, but uh, this was... This was big.
2: This was big.
1: Uh, At least I would think it is big. However, if you look at the newspaper articles of the day, um, here is a, a, a story that appeared in the New York Herald, 11 May of 1869. Now, the event happened May 10 mm-hmm. of 1869. Yesterday. So this, this is the, uh, this is the uh, New York Herald's article. It says, the Pacific Railroad was completed yesterday, the last spike being driven in at 5 minutes past 3 p.m. New York time. The event was celebrated in this city by the firing of cannon, the chiming of trinity bells, and a general jubilation among the businessmen. Now that appeared on page 6 of the New York Herald wasn't even front page. It wasn't even front page. They, there were some front page uh, articles. Let's see. Well, probably the
2: Eloy Examiner.
1: That could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have in here. Oh, we have. Well, go ahead with what you got, and, and I'll well, throw these in just, as, as well.
2: Let's go. just kind of do a little bit of an introductory here then. At the Promontory Summit, Utah, on May 10th, 1869, Samuel S. Montague Central Pacific Railroad, joined up with Grenville M. Dodge, Union Pacific Railroad, for the driving of the Golden Spike, signifying the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad. I also might mention that at the time, they weren't calling it the Golden Spike. It was referred to as the last spike, Mm -hmm. because that's what it was, technically. Yeah. It was. And we'll see what else have I got here. Oh let's let's get into some I got a whole bunch of statistics here. I love statistics. <laughs> okay. One thousand nine hundred and twelve miles continuous track was the line length. Now the actual distance was one thousand four hundred and thirty five. You might ask yourself, Harry, what's the difference between fourteen and nineteen? Uh, well, that, I'm that a TUSD
1: graduate, so don't yeah. don't Well, it tempt was
2: me. it was sightings and stuff like that, you know, because they had to have they had to have. That's okay, right. moving on into more form. It started at Omaha. Actually, it started at Council Bluff, Omaha, mm-hmm. Iowa, mm-hmm. which was across the river from Omaha, mm-hmm. from and uh, it ended in Oakland at the Long Wharf, uh, San Francisco Bay.
1: Now, tell know? tell me, Bunker, who
2: who? What was the majority of the folks who built this rail? Well, you know that's an interesting thing. That's why I asked you. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I happen to have that covered here somewhere. I, I'll, I'll just do it off the top of my noggin here. But basically, it was made, made and built by veterans from the Civil War, mm-hmm. immigrants. Mm-hmm. What? China,
1: where those immigrants come from?
2: A little, some little Asian country called China, China, China. Ah, okay, there, okay. You know? You know, they, you know, and they they brought they brought their great gift to America, mm-hmm. Chinese food. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got cannot that right. beat that. <laughs> but and you know, one of the pieces I was reading about this was that uh, when they were shooting, what was it, Union Pacific? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Chinese that were working for the railroad uh, as stewards and cooks and whatnot, porters. Mm-hmm. They had actually built the railroad, some of the ones that had built. Isn't that cool? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
2: Union Pacific, that's
1: one of the great movies about uh, trains, and and in particular, uh, the connection of the Transcontinental Railway. Yep. Great movie. Who was in that? Barbara
2: Stanwyck Joel McRae. Joel McRae. Brian Donlevy, mm-hmm. one of the great bad guys. I was watching him in Destry the mm-hmm. other day. You know, <laughs> he was just a good... He was, he was kind of the go-to bad guy here for a while. Barbara Stanwyck's role
1: of... <clears throat> she, was, she was kind of a bad girl. You know, uh, and and well,
2: she was the postmistress. Well, yeah, she was, but I mean, and we know about them postmistress. Man, she was hot too. Slap <laughs> <laughs> my face! Yeah. Well, you know, let's let's let's, let's get some more interviews. Little, uh, no, you, I don't you, know, you really want to understand. do that, or shall we uh, do a uh, commercial? Uh, our
1: first commercial break. You want? Let's do time? our first commercial break. All right, we'll do our first commercial break here on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. We're talking trains today, the connection of the Transcontinental Railway, which occurred May 10 of 1869. We're doing uh, today uh, because that's what they our show's on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, with that... Um, we could have uh, done it yesterday, but nobody would have listened. That's true. <clears throat> if you uh, would like to get involved in our conversation, just give us a call. 844-908-WEST. 844-908-9378. That's the number to call. Our email address, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. We're on the Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Voices of the West. We'll be back with much more of our program right after these very important messages.
3: My name is Bluey Simpson. Well, how you going, mate? I've been conductor on this train since 1928. I hope you're in no hurry, sports, sit down and settle back. They call the Abelinga Mail the
0: snail of the outback. Emil Franz's Voices of the West will be
4: right back. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club has served southern Arizona since its original incorporation in 1948. We have a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse with a restaurant and lounge, and we're open year-round for all your sporting needs. Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Come out and join us at our world-renowned facility located here in the Old Pueblo, Tucson Trap and Ski Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. For more information, call 883-6426.
5: Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300.
3: When you need it, Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911.
4: Banned on YouTube. Oh, foot. We don't know why.
0: Don't say it's a fine morning or I'll shoot you.
4: Voices of the West video content will be available soon. Watch VoicesOfTheWest.net for the latest and listen right here on VOW Radio.
6: Yee-haw! Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movies Out podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movies Out podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like... The Alexa quote of the show. And may the ought to be ever in your favor. And have a From the Cutting Room Floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions, such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So... After finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, and that's a wrap.
3: Ben Berry was a brave engineer.
1: He told his farm, and don't you ever fear All I want is the water and coal Put your head out the window Watch the driver's roll
0: Watch the driver's roll Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.
1: We are back on Emil Franzi's Great Voices music. of the West. Jimmy Rogers, Ben Dewberry's final run. The singing ben, break, Good stuff there. Slim Dusty uh, Abelinga Mail was the very first one there. Yeah, we're doing uh, railroad uh, songs today uh, in honor of the 150th anniversary of the joining of the Transcontinental Railway. And, uh, oh yes, you also heard about our YouTube banning there. And you heard uh, a promo for a new podcast partner that we have. It's called... Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Movie Zealots. They talk movies, obviously. We talk movies also, but the Western kind. But we're not
2: zealots. We're no, just no. crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we'll get them those guys on
2: sometime. Yeah, I think, have,
1: yeah, that'd be interesting. Cuss and discuss Western movies, see how they, cuss how they and do. discuss. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking the transcontinental railway connection, which happened on May 10, 1869, and uh, big-time... Big Event going on up in Salt Lake uh, for that uh, to mark the anniversary. But, celebration all weekend. Yeah, we're 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 celebrating too. Yes, we are. But we're we're celebrating the history of it. Eight four four nine zero eight west. Eight four four nine zero eight nine three seven
2: eight. If you'd like to join the conversation, you know, uh, I wrote a little piece for the website about this. I don't know if it's up yet or not. But I'd like to read the first paragraph because it kind of sets the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the country and of the leader at that time which was Lincoln it says Lincoln's vision of his legacy was the transcontinental railroad not emancipation though it was on his mind along with the civil discord it would bring we did not he did not see slavery as his lasting legacy because that's how big a thing it was you know mm-hmm. uh, and if it hadn't been for the civil war that would have been, it's like you know, uh, the Panama Canal and Teddy Roosevelt. Right, never would have been built.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, delve into some of the newspaper articles here. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting article. This is from uh, the Cambria Freeman from Ebensburg, Pennsylvania. This happened on May 20, of, uh, or comes from May 20, 1869. <clears throat> it is... Um, an account of the presentation of the Nevada and Arizona Spikes during the uh, ceremony at Promontory Summit. And this is a dateline of Promontory, and uh, it was Tuesday, May 11. In presenting the silver spike to Dr. Durant yesterday and performance of his part, and the exercises attending the laying of the last rail of the Great Pacific Road, Honorable T.A. Tuttle (laughs) of Nevada offered the following sentiment to the iron of the East and the Gold of the West, Nevada adds her link of silver to span the continent and wed the oceans. Great. Not to be outdone, the Honorable A. K. Stanford, Governor of the Arizona Territory, Correct. Off- I I, I'll correct it, cool. uh, offered a spike of iron, silver, and gold as an offering from Arizona with the following sentiment. Ribbed with iron, clad in silver, and crowned with gold, Arizona presents her offering to the enterprise that has banded the continent and dictated the pathway to commerce. Great article, except it's fake news. Uh, They even had it back then. The governor of Arizona at that time was a governor, Safford, not Stanford, (laughs) <laughs> well, i got a question for
2: you, Harry. I may be able to answer it. You may be. Who was the owner of the Transcontinental Railway? Cent- Central, was it Central Pacific? Okay, Harry, I'm going to make it easy on oh, you. Oh, thank you. The <laughs> owner was the United States government. Well, all right. The operators were Central Pacific, Union Pacific, and the one that everybody forgets, the Central Pacific Railroad. Central Pacific also, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Half of these railroads are... Let me fill you in on the Central Pacific. Please do. Okay, the Central Pacific was chartered by Congress in 1862 to build a railroad eastward. The west part of the route uh, was to operate from Oakland, uh, Oakland, Alameda, to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Later on... Uh, and this is, let me see if I still have that part of it here, because it's, it's who it was made up by. If I, I'll, I'll come Well, and I'm guessing the reason that it was coming... Oh, here we go.
1: It, the reason it was coming from the Oakland-Alameda area is uh, because of the proximity to San Francisco.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And why not Los Angeles, people might ask. Well,
2: Los Angeles wasn't much of... Anything at that time? Nothing. But you know, also the thing is that it was actually one of the uh, early lines that, because it wasn't, the funding didn't come through until 1862 and 64 through an act of Congress. And Lincoln had a devil of a time getting that uh, appropriation approved. Now this is this is an interesting thing. This is what the Central Pacific Railroad. It wasn't just a single company. Mm-hmm. It was made up of Western Pacific Railroad, San Joaquin Valley Railroad, and the San Francisco, Oakland and Alameda Railroad hmm. consolidation. Wow. The Union Pacific was, you know, a conglomerate of of fat cats that I mean these guys you talk about talk about skimming and pocket lining <laughs> and greasing the palm and and, you know, one of the things that they would do in building the line, because they were paid by the mile. Yes, they were. So what they would do, you know, I, you're out there in the plains of the Midwest. I mean. There ain't nothing, nothing around Nothing there. <laughs> and instead of going a straight line from point A to point B, they would do a curving. Mm-hmm. So that they could get a few extra miles and a few extra bucks in their pocket. And claim.
1: That uh, well, the the ground was such that we couldn't uh, get the track straight there. So well, there was a buffalo standing there, so we had to go around. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> almost sounds like a city worker, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, there's a great cartoon uh, from out Wickenburg way couple of old cowboys are in this old jalopy, you know, Model T jalopy, driving down the road with all the ruts and the bumps, mm-hmm. and this old country dirt road. And way off in the distance you see a you see a big old cottonwood and a work, work crew. And they're all all the crews all set up but they're all napping. Mm-hmm. And one old cowboy says to the other, he says, "You ever notice how the road gets smoother when you get to the shade?" <laughs> Well let's see here. What else have yeah. we got here? <laughs> well okay the, the uh standard gauge, that's the size between the tracks, was four foot eight. And that was pretty much around the world because you actually you got narrow gauge and you got narrow yes. narrow gauge, you got a couple of really wide gauge five foot something and one of the interesting things is that it was also called Stevenson Gage after George Stevenson, so I have to figure that probably he was the fellow that was responsible for standardizing it. You, the uh,
1: Romans actually are the ones who yeah. <laughs> standardized it. I mean that that their roads are the foundation for all roads. Yeah. In terms of uh, width,
2: and but they were fought wider because they were they were, so armies could march down. Well, that but the but standardization standardization was. you know uh, so
1: that the uh, carts would uh, be in the right spot.
2: Speaking of that, if you go up to New Mexico to around Chaco Canyon. Mm-hmm. They have these great roads that go off in all kinds of directions, and they are all lined up. But again, they were standardized; they had a certain width, mm-hmm. and they were, st- and they were built straight. There was no graft involved in those. Any idea who built them? Well, lo- the local local Indian boys. Oh, I was gonna. I was wondering
1: though if it had happened during the time of uh, uh, before.
2: Um, this is before Europeans ever even found the continent, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is you know during the <clears throat> time of the Anastasia and probably before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see, what else, I got? Anything else here? Okay. Oh, this is a little a little bit of information on the spike itself. It was a seventeen point six carat uh, gold. Five, 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 yeah, okay, we got that. Okay, the Promontory uh, Summit was an area of high ground, uh, Box Elder County, Utah Territory. 32 miles west of Brigham City and 66 miles northwest of Salt Lake at an elevation of 4,902 feet above sea level. The Oakland Long Wharf, 11,000 feet railroad wharf and ferry pier on the east shore of the San Francisco Bay at the foot of 7th Street in West Oakland, and it was built by the Central Pacific Railroad. Now, that was not the actually the initial. I'll get to that later. But that's a whole different thing, piece of
1: Well, I've got that. You talked about the the spike itself, and I've got a description of oh, the good. laurel Go tie and golden spike used in that ceremony. And this is clipped from the Weekly Arizona Miner of uh, from twenty two May eighteen sixty nine. The Arizo- Weekly Arizona Minor was published in Prescott, and uh, memory serves me right. Prescott was the territorial capital at that time. I'm
2: not positive. Somewhere around there.
1: Anyway, anyway, the article states the last tie and the last spike. Last tie to be laid on the Pacific Railroad was yesterday on an exhibition at the store of Baldwin and Company on Montgomery Street. It is made (laughs) of California laurel, beautifully grained, and was manufactured by Hughes and Stravel, 528 Market Street. Attached to the upper side uh, of the tie is a silver plate, 10 by 8 inches, manufactured by Fisher and Mulrig, which bears the following inscription. Directors, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the last tie laid on the completion of the Pacific Railroad May, insert date, 1869. They had that made up, of course, yeah.
2: uh, not knowing exactly Ooh. what. Not it was too. supposed
1: to happen May 8th, but it obviously didn't. And well, uh, one
2: one of the guys got hung up back east. I think he yeah that misconnections on the train or something. He was traveling Amtrak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they. I worked for Amtrak. Yeah, man. I love Amtrak too. I do too. Anyway, it's a, a really neat uh, uh, little plaque there. Now the golden spike to be driven in as the last spike in the railroad was also manufactured by Fisher and Moe Brig. It weighed about eighteen ounces and was valued at about $350. I don't
2: know what that would be today.
1: I don't know. There was an inscription on that as well. It says, The last spike, the Pacific Railroad, ground broke January 8, 1863, completed May, insert date, 1869. May God continue the unity of our country as this railroad unites the two great oceans of the world. And then the director's names are on a third side, and the officer's name on the fourth Uh, and that comes from again the Arizona weekly a minor Prescott Arizona from 22 May of 1869 now here's a
2: totally piece of total useless trivia there's never useless trivia well no in 1944 (laughs) they had the seventh anniversary 75th anniversary of it and they issued a stamp it cost three cents now yesterday at the post office I was. I needed stamps. I bought some stamps. Mm-hmm. Railroad, beautiful. one of the most beautiful stamps I've ever seen of one of the locomotives. And great, just nice. the day glow colors. It like, it looks like it came from a John Ford Technicolor movie. Nice, it's beautiful. But it's around fifty some odd cents. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's totally
1: okay. <laughs> yep. All right, <clears throat> we got to uh, do another commercial okay. break here to. Uh, pay for the program, and uh, hopefully you will listen to these folks as well, so uh, they're, they're good folks who sponsor us. We wouldn't they have are, it any people. other way. So, with that, we will be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after this. <laughs>
0: franzing's voices of the west will be right back
1: when looking for a property management company here are some things you should consider how long has the company been in business what types of properties can they manage for you and does the company give back to the community well your search is over First, contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company. Property managers you can
5: trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello?
4: Hello? I'm Mr. Red.
1: No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseandaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseandaroundrescue.org.
2: As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Ken Curtis, Patsy Montana, the Sons of the Pioneers, plus local artists,
0: only on VOW Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.
3: We are
1: back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West and the high chaparral theme in there as well as uh, the Dixieland jug (laughs) blowers doing a banjarino.
2: (laughs) You know, it just dawned on me. I don't think chaparral ever did a railroad episode.
1: No, it didn't, but the Reno was in the chaparral a number of times. Uh, uh, As they would, uh, you know, go to Tucson catch the train.
2: Yeah. Although the train didn't come to Tucson at that time, but the of the Chaparral. Well, they they had advanced passes. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's figure a little more with a nonsensical information here. Oh, before you oh, go on with that. I want to
1: mention you heard a, a, a little spot there f- about uh, for Horse and Around Rescue. Great organization. Steve voice yes. uh, knows exactly what he's doing to help these uh uh, these horses and mules and, and donkeys and whatnot that uh, they take in. I discovered on Facebook that they have a, uh, you know, when your birthday comes up, you can go for a um, donate to a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Well, I chose for mine, I chose for folks to donate to Horse and Around Rescue because oh,
2: a great idea. I believe in
1: it. And uh, they'll get a check. Uh, I think the campaign goes from now until sometime in June, and uh, hoping
2: to raise about $1,000 for Steve. You know, that's one, I want to say one thing about Steve is, you know, in case you think, well, okay, he's just he just kind of a middleman moving the horse around. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You've got, you got, I'll tell you, it's probably easier to get a bank loan than it is to get a horse because I, <laughs> he checks you out, yep. he checks out where you're going to put him, yep. and he won't. He will. He will not uh, adopt out a horse unless the person is a. It's a fit. Well, and not only that, but you
1: can also donate and still have the yeah. horse there. Yeah. Uh, I know Franzi did that uh,
2: with a couple of them. That's a great passed. idea. It is it because is. you can always go down and you have friends come in from downtown, yeah. Take them down and show them your yep. horse. Yeah. Yep. And so anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, right, okay. I want to throw well, that out. here's some more nonsense. Uh, the uh, first con- uh, Transcontinental Railroad was originally known as the Pacific Railroad. Yes. And then later, the Overland Route. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't until, I think, probably writers uh, and and whatever, you know, people that promoting Calling stuff. the Transcontinental. Looked, looked up that, that, that name. Itself. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a piece of little history here. The Pacific Railroad Act of 1862... Made it possible for the United States to uh, establish land grants over public lands to, def- uh, to finance the companies building the railroad. So that's you know when you you think about that, that was built by the taxpayers of that day's money. It wasn't it wasn't like okay we got a slush fund here and we're going to throw it out there. Interesting you mention
1: that because there's an op-ed that's an opinion editorial. Uh, about the Transcontinental Railroad. And this comes from the Chicago Tribune, uh, published 14 May, 1869. And basically, they're saying the Transcontinental Railroad has demonstrated no new thing. And the op-ed reads, the railway at any rate is done. The golden uh, spike is driven. The um, The continent impaled upon those ties, nailed with the golden token, Submitting to that pain is delivered up to mankind. Boy, that's cheery. That is for Gentile and Jew are free to traverse it. Between the Old and New Testaments of Asia and Europe, it is the way and the life. It solves 10,000 problems and makes much of the history of difficulty and sacrifice no longer possible. Magellan need go no longer around the Southern Cape, nor Franklin attempt the passage of the Northwest. Balboa's road across the Isthmus, revived in our time, is once again precipitous and roundabout. The parallel of light and motion traverses the temperate zone. Upon this narrow band concentrated the commerce that was diffused over boundless seas. And it goes on with bunches of flowery language basically to
2: say... Uh, Did he miss any words in the lexicon? It, it sounds like it, he was using every word he could find. It,
1: the the opera the op-ed writer apparently has. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the problem. Well, you know aspirations. Be, there's not there's naysayers all over the place. I mean, yeah. the, today there's naysayers. And, oh, that's the it's the tone of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and back oh. in those days, the it was also the tone. All you have to do is read any newspaper from the any two newspapers from the day and you will see how political those newspapers would get as well
2: as uh, where they stood and sometimes fake news. depending depending on which party you belong to just like today and also mm-hmm. depending upon your political personal political feelings about the individuals involved. That's right. Well here's some following along what you were talking about because this is along the line of financing The line was built by three major companies, financed by state and federal bonds, uh, funded by the sale of land-grant lands. The companies issued mortgage bonds, which was a personal bond, which Mm -hmm. was in addition to the land-grant stuff. The companies were Western Pacific Railroad. They built 132 miles of track from Oakland, Alameda to Sacramento the Central Pacific Railroad which built 690 miles of track from Sacramento to Promontory Summit, Utah territory, and the Union Pacific which built 1085 miles from Council Bluffs, Iowa to Promontory Summit. And you know, it's just uh, the total val- this is not the total value of a 30-year 6% US government subsidy bond, which was issued by the companies, the total value for those was $55,092,192. The amount of land uh, specified was 21,100,000 acres wow. in land-grant lands. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. You know, and, of course, the railroad made it after that, Then they sold the lands to... Uh, Prospecting mm-hmm. farmers, ranchers, mm-hmm. anybody along the route, towns. Mm-hmm. Okay, All
1: the for... towns that sprung up as a result of oh, the, the, the railroad. Oh, hell on
2: wheels. I yeah. mean,
1: come on, yeah. They're well, you know, that's, a,
2: that's an. Inter- I saw this great picture in one of the magazine, one of the books, railroad books I have. And it's one of these hell on wheels towns that is being dissembled to move to the next location because what they would do is they'd move so many miles down the uh-huh. track. They had moved the town to the next town, some would would actually continue and exist in our today. most of them cease to exist. but this picture is an amazing picture there's these flat cars there's different parts of buildings, furniture, and stuff like that. You look in the background there's this guy climbing down the side of a three story building and he's got a you know the old uh, corrugated tin yeah, yeah. chimneys, wow! You just, you know, smokestack. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, it's just—it's amazing. And and they literally the towns they and they, they the, the railroad had these cars set aside just to move them down. So it wasn't like you know you see in the movies like oh the, that cursed town full of sin mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they were part of they were part. Of, I think probably some of these fat cats were uh, uh, financial backers of these guys. Well, and Why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we, we, we could show that photo if we had YouTube. a
2: YouTube channel,
1: but we don't.
2: Which Just think of all of, the, all of our mi- mirrored followers out there being deprived mm-hmm. of the pleasure of seeing a very interesting piece of history.
1: Yep, but we don't have it anymore. You know, oh, they, they banned Dennis Prager for a while, too, conservative radio talk host.
2: Yeah, because he, he asked hard questions well, and had had hard
1: answers. And he talks about God.
2: Oh, oh no, they can't goodness. do that. That's yeah. That's 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 prohibited content.
1: Yep, yeah, but you know, hey, it's a private company, they can do whatever the hell they want to do.
2: I thought private companies were are, are still bound by the constitution in no, the United States, no. which is you know, starts with a thing called the
1: first amendment. Yeah, it does, but no, that's only applies to government. It does not apply to private companies. Well, well you know, or corporations.
2: I think it does. I think they just—I think they just run a bluff, and and most politicians, because they're probably getting campaign uh, contribution mm-hmm. for their campaigns, are following along the story. Well, it
1: should, but it it doesn't. Yeah. You know. What else have we got here? Oh, I have a a, okay. a report here, a newspaper report on the plan to have the telegraph capture the driving of the last oh. spike. This comes from the Deseret News out of Salt Lake from 12 May of 1869 on page 11. and it says, speaking of the driving of the last spike of the Pacific Railroad, the Enterprise, which is another newspaper, says, at the point where the ends of the rails will connect, the telegraph will be brought close. From this, wire communicate or connection will be made with Salt Lake, Omaha, Chicago, St. Paul, St. Louis, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Memphis, Washington, New York, Boston and all the large cities east and with Virginia and Sacramento and San Francisco. About 20 minutes before the time arrives for driving that last spike, the operator will commence a time signal and all over the continent will be heard the tick 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 of the battery which drives its place uh, which drives to its place uh, in the last spike echoing the word done. Done. The Pacific Railroad, the most gigantic enterprise of the nineteenth century, completed with the iron band that binds New York and San Francisco in closer embrace, and which brings England and the Orient near
2: together. Yes. Well, this is. That's, this is going to. Wait a minute. Hello. That's that's the telegraph. Yes, it is. Yeah. Anyhow, this is a part of the history which never gets really spoken about and even and our friends at the Western Writers of America this is a, some of you guys have written about this but we need more guys writing about it mm-hmm. the Pacific Railroad Survey mm-hmm. and that went from 1853 to 1855 and what it was was a series of explorations of the American West to find possible routes for a transcontinental railroad across New Mac- North America. The expeditions included surveyors, scientists, artists, and resulted in an immense body of information. In other words, it was a, it was like Lewis and Clark. It was like a voyage of discovery. Mm-hmm. Fremont was involved in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that came out of that was that the, the, they decided that the best route would be the southern route, which would have come brought it right through Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. but because of the, the uh, problems with the North and the South, mm-hmm. uh, and Congress being more controlled by the North than this, uh, was able to push it through that way. And you know, just again going back in 18 in 1830s, there was a senator from up in the North countries, I think, well, around the Great Lakes area. I'm not really positive on that. That. Uh, proposed a transcontinental railroad, mm-hmm. but it never got, you know, it never got beyond talking. Hmm. But that's how far back, you know, it, 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 the interest had been.
1: Interesting. We've got to do the last commercial yes. break here. We'll be back, Bunker DeFranco and myself, Harry Alexander, on more of mo Franzi's Voices of the West, right after these important messages. <music>
0: Emil Franzing's Voices of the West will be right back
3: do.
4: 777-1911. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club has served Southern Arizona since its original incorporation in 1948. We have a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse with a restaurant and lounge, and we're open year-round for all your sporting needs. Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday from 730 a.m. to 1 p.m., Come out and join us at our world-renowned facility located here in the Old Pueblo, Tucson Trap and Ski Club, at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. For more information, call 883-6426.
2: Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org.
4: Old-time Western radio shows every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, only on
3: VOW Radio.
6: Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Out podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Out podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like... The Alexa quote of the show. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And have a From the Cutting Room Floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions, such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So... After finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, and that's a wrap.
0: Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.
1: We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Doc Watson and the ballad of John Henry. It's yeah. a bluegrass tune, uh, as is uh, we heard. Tune. Blue Yodel Number 7 from Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. That's from 1941. Yeah. You know, these are uh, the bluegrass songs, and they come mainly from Appalachia, but they're railroad songs well, also.
2: I just I just had a, a brain fart. Uh-oh. Stop but
1: the presses!
2: <laughs> we should do a show on railroad songs and get Buck on because, I'm, it's his knowledge—he knows—he's he, a music historian. Mm-hmm. That could be a very interesting play. You know, maybe let him come up with a playlist and yeah. and do something there. You want to arrange it? I'll try. You know, <laughs> hey, well, you know. Speaking of, you know, our old West uh, old movie guy here—we just our new sponsor I'm going to name off some movies and books and maybe TV that have to do with the Transcontinental Railroad. All right. I'm going to start with Around the World in 80 Days, yeah. the the uh, vision with uh, version with Contiflis and David Niven, mm-hmm. because that one segment, you know, that's done in the Old West. That's one of the great movie saloon fights. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, moving on to be- the Iron Horse in 1924, John Ford, which may be. The best transcontinental movie made. I know you like our uh, Union Pacific, but it's I'll the have first. to find it. Uh, you have to find it. Yeah, it's out there. I'll find it. <laughs> and it's it's. I mean, when you read when you read the accounts of it, and now they've got a new print out that's pristine. You know, mm-hmm. it's even better with a. With the music, original music scored, yeah, yeah. not modern-wise. Yeah. Okay, and the Union Pacific, which was 1939, which is one of our favorites, yep. one of our favorite guys, Joel McRae. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also a TV series in 58-59 with Jeff Morrow, mm-hmm. short-lived. Uh, we have Moving Down, and this is you're going to love this one, Wild Wild West. 1999 was Will Smith, ah, but the tie-in yeah. was that Dr. Lovelace was going to kill uh, President Grant at the last spike ceremony. Well, <laughs> so that's it. Now this is one that a lot of folks aren't inter, aren't familiar with. The claim in 2000, okay. and it was about a certain one of the surveyors. It Was laying out the roots for this, mm-hmm. and it's a good little western. It's just again, like Neil Summers said, it flew under the, ra- yeah. Under the radar. Yeah, now we have in 19, uh, 2002 an animated uh picture from uh, uh, I, I can't remember the company, it was Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Moving on, we've got, of course, Hell on Wheels, uh, AMC Cable Series, um, uh, and that was about five years of, of really exciting Western programming, mm-hmm. and pretty accurate for the most part. Now, oh, here's one. This is this is one of my favorites. This was not TV. This was an audio book, Doctor Who audio book, The Runaway Train, uh, 2010, read by Matt Smith. But because Doctor Smith, uh, Doctor Who has mm-hmm. time travel, mm-hmm. and I thought that's a where else in the world are you going to find out about that except here on, yeah. on, on our show? <laughs> uh, then another TV. These are a couple of documentaries. Uh, American Experience, uh, 2002 and three, episode Transcontinental Railroad. And I've enjoyed a lot of really good mm-hmm. uh, docs on American Experience. And the other one was Seven Wonders of the Industrial World, episode The Line. That was a BBC documentary. And I want to mention, oh, I want to mention a book, a fiction book mm-hmm. called Troubleshooter by Ernest Haycox. Okay. You know what's special about that? Um, no. That was a source material for Union Pacific. Was it really? Yes, yes, it was. Well, now, if, uh, qu- for you readers quickly. out there. very quickly. We're yeah, running out of time. Running out of time. For you readers out there, this is probably the number one recommendation, Nothing Like It in the World by Stephen Ambrose, who's one of the leading historians of the day now. Mm-hmm. Couple of other books. You cut me off when we're done, Harry. A Man of Destiny, Railroad. It's called Railroad in the United Kingdom, and that was by Geriam Masterson. Another book, Ten Mile Day, Anne Fraser. That was a kid children's book, The Great Railroad Race by Christine Gregory, and that's pretty much wraps it up, Harry.
1: Happy uh, <clears throat> 150th anniversary or birthday to the. Uh, Transcontinental Railway.
2: Woo, woo.
1: <clears throat> and look what Amtrak has done today. Yes. <laughs> no more steam engines, though. Yeah, that's a shame. Actually, well, you are up in the like, yeah Chama and, Yeah, well, yeah, narrow gauge. That's it for this edition of Amble uh, Franzi's Voices of the West. We thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon, uh, or enjoyed. whatever time it is uh, where you, when you're, for when you are listening. And uh, we will be back with much more next week, uh, or the next time we meet, which is next Saturday, here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Screw you, YouTube. (laughs) Check us out at Stitcher.com, at Spotify, Radio Public, and a lot of other places. Thank you so much. And keep those
2: cards and letters coming in along with the emails and the phone calls. Next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.